Welcome to the ETOP Podcast with your host, Richard Walsh. I'm a 30-year business-owning veteran, creator of the ETOP Academy, and best-selling author of Escape the Owner Prison, the contract's new way to scale, regain control, and fast-track growth while loving life. My mission to help 10,000 business owners create the freedom in their lives to do what they want, when they want, and still be massively successful. Now, let's hit our topic for the day. All right, here we are on ETOP Podcast with today's guest, Asenio Godsey. This is really going to be a really, really interesting conversation. I think you're going to love because this is a topic that I haven't heard anything about. Okay, I understand what it is, but I've never really met a serious expert and someone who delves into this to help business owners and people in general. This is really going to be fascinating. What Asenio does, he's helping people to stop making bad decisions, utilizing intuition to their full advantage, okay? So I'm going to leave it right there as I usually do and bring on Asenio, let him kind of fill us in the full story, him being the expert on this. He's going to explain it way better than I ever could. So no further ado, Asenio, come on the show. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Thanks uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak to your listeners. And I'm really excited to drop some knowledge bombs on how they're going to help uh, their service businesses or their ventures or their personal life in whatever way, because intuition is an instrumental part in that success that they are meant to have. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. I really am. Because when I we first kind of met, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta hit one. This is gonna be a, a really cool topic because I'm always looking for the advantage, right? We all yep. are, right? As as competitive business owners, we need advantages all the time because we're in a competitive marketplace. Yes. You know, so we're always looking, and this is one of those things I think is gonna just be it's just gonna it's gonna benefit everyone, even just from this conversation. So let's tear into it. Why don't you bring us up to date? Bring us up to speed on your, you know, the the backstory, yep. how you actually got into this kind of stuff, where we're going to be going with this, and let's tear into it. Absolutely, absolutely. So everybody's understanding of intuition is really kind of this uh, intangible. Some people talk about, I trust my God, you know, I'm using my intuition, you know, sort of fairy tale, uh, you know, sparkling things in the air. And and so that's, you know, actually, when I started uh, researching this, uh, that's kind of where it started. But the real essence of my interest started actually from a book that I wrote on business. And it was my first book called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. Uh, is one where I documented the failures and hurdles of 75 people in the book, but I've interviewed 286 people for it uh, with 75 stories. And when I looked at the mistakes that they made or the hurdles that they had to overcome, the premise of that book was if you were able to read the, um, the, the failures or hurdles that others had gone through, then conceptually, if you don't repeat them, then you should be able to succeed faster. And so when I started speaking on stages uh, across the world uh, about this book, the one common question I got from the entrepreneurs or the business executives in the crowd was, Sunil, give me one thing that's going to help me succeed. And of course, at that time, I was rolling my eyes saying, listen, I didn't come here with a PDF with one bullet point. I came here with a 400-page book uh, with filled with stories, and there wasn't really one thing until I went back to the audio recordings. And when I did, 80 to 90% of the business executives or entrepreneurs used some form of, I knew what the right decision was, but I didn't, or I, I ignored my intuition, I ignored my gut. Um, I should have listened. I know it's 
something around that flavor. And this word intuition kept popping up a couple of times. And I'm thinking, wow. So what is this thing called intuition that people uh, are, are thinking about? And so I reflected back on my life to see, okay, when was this thing called intuition kind of in my life? And so I distinctly remember uh, when I was five years old, there was these video games that I wanted to buy. And my dad said, they're way too expensive. And I had this voice tell me to, that said, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And I followed that voice. And I, as a five-year-old here, I had my two and a half-year-old brother in diapers in tow. Uh, and we went door to door and we raised $200, just over $200 uh, with lots of milk and cookies. $100 went to my dad for the video games. And the other $100 went to charity because my school was doing that. And I felt really good about that. Uh, and I had this, the breadcrumbs of entrepreneurship throughout my whole life in, in just about everything I did, starting at five. Um, and then I reflect on the time when I ignored this thing. Uh, and at that time, I knew it as some things. I didn't really define it as intuition because it wasn't formally defined for me then. But I distinctly remember, you know, I, if for those uh, who can't see me, I'm an East Indian male. So in the South Asian uh, or East Indian um, sort of there's there's four doors that you have as a career choice. There's doctor, lawyer, engineer or failure. And that's it. Uh, and so I picked door number three. Door number three was engineering. My dad was an engineer, even though my intuition was screaming at me saying, you are to be an entrepreneur. I followed societal norms. I followed the cultural norms and I became the engineer and really didn't like it. And two years into my engineering career, I got a chance to become a private investor in a Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. Uh, and pretty soon I was making five times more in dividends as I was as a private investor than I was uh, as a full-time engineer. And so the dam had to break at some point. And at that time, my intuition was saying leave. And so I did. I quit in year three. I sacrificed my relationship with my dad, which is really tough. Um, but I ended up uh, leaving and I started uh, four or five ventures in different areas, retail clothing, wholesale clothing, um, service-based industry, uh, also in um, uh, pop-up events and entertainment company. And I amassed about $20 million and absolutely loved every minute that I was in those businesses. Ended up moving to become a management consultant. And there was this huge contract down in Silicon Valley and um, uh, the numbers that they were throwing around at uh, my compensation was uh, were astounding. And I was so like, oh, my God, this is a huge contract. But what had happened is the contract terms started changing. And again, this something was gnawing at me to say back off. But I was so emotionally involved with the contract compensation that I spent every single penny to move down to Silicon Valley. And the company never paid me. And I came back to Canada with 23 cents in my bank account. And um, I remember I was being, I was about to be married. My wife luckily was in India. That's where I met her. And so I remember driving back to Calgary, Canada uh, and she's saying, Hey, how's it going, honey? And I'm just saying, yeah, everything's great. Meanwhile, I have nothing in my bank account. All the wedding money's gone. And I didn't even know where I was going to be sleeping that night, but perhaps the most devastating decision that I made where I ignored my intuition was when in engineering, I was uh, doing some personal coaching at the time. And I had a friend reach out to me because she was being stalked by someone. And she said, Sunil, I desperately need some advice to get away from this guy. And again, this something was itching at me to say, let's meet that afternoon. Like I had nothing scheduled. I mean, certainly I was very flexible, but for some dumb reason, I said, let's meet a couple of days later. And the very next day, that same stalker walked up to my friend, uh, uh, went, walked up to her at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her head and killed her. 
And now when I reflected back, I said, I really need to figure out what this thing called intuition is and why did I ignore it? Because now I've lost time, money, effort, and now a very good friend because I've ignored it. And so in my journey, the very first thing I wanted to ask is, is there a definition of this thing? And so when I went online, a lot of it was talking about manifestation, voices from God, uh, spirituality. And it's fine if people define it from their perspective in that way. You know, and as a former engineer and an MBA, it, it, that just didn't sit well with me. And so I said, okay, look, uh, how do I see this? So I see this, okay, there's some signals that I'm getting. So I remember now that there was a social media post from someone in my circle of, uh, sort of the social media circle who talked about signals and intuition. And this was an intuitive channeler. So I said, okay, let me go interview her. So I took my film crew and, and went down there and uh, turned on the cameras and asked her about intuition. And she goes, yeah, there's signals from intuition. And she describes intuition from an energetic perspective. And so I remember in engineering, that, that kind of resonated with me because in engineering, if you look at things, properties like steel, for example, steel has both a mass-like property and energetic or wave-like properties. So I kind of saw now um, intuition as center, but there's an art part, which is maybe the signals or the, or the, so the energetic part. But I still wanted that science background that really was itching at me to find out, is there science rooted in this? And so one, one thing the intuitive channeler said was that our belief systems aren't just there yet, and the science is way behind. And so I'm thinking, well, hold on here. Like, I've had all these experiences with intuition. 80 to 90% of the people in the book have these experiences of intuition. Like, why is there no science behind this? I can't believe that there's nothing here. So I looked at, again, my circle of contacts, and I figured, who do I know that might shine a light on intuition? And there was a neurologist that I had in my circle. And so I said, okay, let's go interview him. So I, myself and my, my film crew went to the hospital. We set up the camera, and I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting him to kind of hum and haw, and this is going to be you know a five-minute or 10-minute conversation, and I wouldn't have to worry about the ticket on my, uh, my parked car because I only put half an hour, not expecting too much. Uh, and... Um, so I click on the camera and ask him, does intuition exist? And I was shocked. He said, absolutely, it exists. He goes to a neurological explanation of what happens as, it, as the neurons run through the gut. Uh, and he uses it to treat his patients. So if his patients come in and say there's something wrong, he uses evidence-based medicine to figure out what's wrong. He never ignores it. And what was really, really, uh, re really got me piqued uh, in terms of my interest was he said that there's, there's more and more neuroscience research that's showing that intuition happens way before we're actually conscious of it. And so I'm thinking, oh, wow. So what, where is the science? Where's this research? So I went to an academic database, typed in the word intuition. I'm expecting what, eight, 10, 12 articles. I hit the enter key and tens of thousands of articles on intuition. And so in my quest to find a definition, I always wondered, am I the problem? Like, why can't I find this definition that really resonates with me? Well, it turns out that your intuition actually hits the amygdala, which is the primitive part of your brain, which is at the base of your skull. It's responsible for fight or flight. It's the first thing where your emotions are controlled. And so there's no wonder that I can't find a definition because there's zero language associated with that. The language comes after your neurons travel to the frontal part, frontal lobe or the front part of your brain, that's when we attach language to it. So for those who define it as a voice from God or meditation, or spiritual in nature, great. That's how they define it. For me, it was an art and science. 
and for everyone else, they're going to have their own definition, which is exactly what should happen. This is their intuition. And the one, the other thing that I thought was that when I was five, it had uh, hit me when I was five with this strong voice. So, I mean, the premise is I, maybe we're born with it. And sure enough, there was a, a research article that showed that infants as young as two months old have shown to have intuitive tendencies and they called it intuitive physics in the research paper. And I then came across a paper that showed that intuition acts on average seven to 10 seconds before somebody makes a decision or takes an action. And they did another research paper on entrepreneurs and they measured things like skin conductance and heart rate as a proxy for intuition. And they found that intuition hit entrepreneurs on average seven seconds before they made a decision or, or took an action. So now what the neurologist was saying all of a sudden makes complete sense. And I've been told from neuroscience research coming out of the University of Toronto from a colleague who knows a researcher there that that's even being tracked at 23 seconds because the research methodology has gotten much better. So here's brain scans and research. And now I'm onto something. So I've got this art part and I've got this science part. So let's take a look at these signals. So what I did is let's figure out these signals because all the signals I had were all different and I had to ask why. So I went out and interviewed over a thousand people to figure out what their signals were and how intuition impacted them. And what I found out is that there's two types of signals that we have. One are positive signals and positive signals are the ones that basically tell you you're making the right decision. So for me, for example, it feels like a flow or the dots are connecting. And I even had one singer songwriter who sees an orb, an actual orb that comes up. And there was a CEO that I interviewed and he sees omens. So there's this omen that comes up on his right back behind his right shoulder, no shape, no color, but all he knows is that whatever he's doing, if he's, if he's hiring someone, bringing on a partner or doing a deal um, with a vendor or uh, anything like that, if that omen pops up, he says yes to whatever he's doing. And 100% of the time, it's always worked. So that's the positive uh, intuitive signals. We also have negative intuitive signals. And just like it says, it, the negative intuitive signals basically say, don't make that decision. They're there to warn you about the decision that you're about to make. Your thinking is wrong. And so for me, for example, it's that gut feeling I get, uh, hairs in the back of the neck. And what was really interesting, I had a, an entrepreneur that I was interviewing on this. And he says, you know, Sunil, I, I actually don't know. Like, nobody's ever asked me, obviously. It's not common. You don't really ask, you know, are you going for a coffee? Uh, you know, what are your intuitive signals? I mean, it's not really common, uh, common language uh, or a common conversation. But he was never asked that. Yet when he started describing the failures that he got into, when he get, went into the ventures for the wrong reasons, for money or because it looked good or what have you, Every single time he started describing this to me, he grabbed his left earlobe and he says, 10 minutes in, he goes, Sunil, I think, I think I just figured out what one of my intuitive signals are. And he now remembers when he went into the ventures, his left earlobe went hot. When he talked to his wife about these ventures, at whatever time in his life, his left earlobe started getting hot. So this is how unique that these negative signals can get or the positive ones. And further with the negative signals, and this is one of the reasons why we ignore intuition our negative signals end up really subtle in nature. And what happens is, and they're, because they're so subtle, we tend to ignore them. But every one of us have actually walked into either an alleyway or a room or met someone. or There's always been a situation and you just get that, huh, there's something 
odd here, something off, even if it's internal dialogue, we don't necessarily have to overtly say it, but we've all had that. That is your initial intuitive signal that's really, really subtle. The problem is that we end up sometimes moving through that. Uh, and what happens with intuition is that if you move through that subtle intuitive signal, it's going to start to change and also get louder until it, 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 you can no longer ignore it anymore. And some people attribute getting into car accidents, almost killing themselves or going homeless completely on that their ultimate intuitive signal before they actually end up finding success in their lives. And so that's how the positive and negative signals kind of work. And where we have to also be careful is that let's say you and I, for example, we share a signal, a voice. I had it a five and maybe someone else who's listening also had that voice. What ends up happening is let's say, let's say, for example, your yours is a voice and mine is a voice as well. So for you, that voice could be signal number one. And if you've identified that signal number one, that's fantastic. Things are golden for you. But if I do that same exercise and say, well, that's I have that voice, but for me, that's signal number three. What that means is I've missed two signals. I've missed the subtle signal one and I've missed subtle signal number two. I've identified number three, which is great. But because I've missed the first two signals, I've made two bad decisions. If I've made two bad decisions, that could be that I just stubbed my toe on the side of a wall or I may be headed towards bankruptcy. I just don't know. And the other thing that, so the way that intuition really kind of functions, how it works is it's off the, the analogy that I like to use is it's like a car. Uh, so you you actually sit in your car, you either push the button or in, with some of the older cars, you turn the keys and you just hear the engine whir, which are the signals, and then you drive. And you don't necessarily have to pop the hood open uh, to see what's underneath, to really understand everything with the gears and the oil and the pistons and all that stuff. It doesn't matter. You, you just drive the car. I'm such a nerd that I want to pop the hood open on this thing called intuition to really figure out how it works. And what I ended up finding out is that there's actually four types of intuition that all work at the same time. And they speak to you through these signals to tell you what the decision is. And the best example I can show you of how these four types work with the signals in conjunction with them is from a non-believer. One of my first interviewees was a fellow by the name of John Rothschild. At that time, uh, he's now retired from doing becoming an investment banker. But because he was an investment banker, data, experience, spreadsheets, numbers, every part of his life, that's what was ruled by it. And so when we're talking about things like voices from God and spirituality and meditation, he, this just does not really resonate with him. So I called him and said, John, let's, let's have an interview. And he says, Sunil, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about here because I just don't think it exists. Uh, we'll, we'll, you can come down. I'll give you an hour and we'll talk about it for five minutes. And the rest of the time, why don't we just have a quick cup of coffee and catch up because I have no, else, I have no clue what else we're going to talk about. So I go down there. And I flip on the, the camera and I tell him about the CEO who sees omens. And he goes, yeah, Sunil, look, uh, uh, you know what? I'd, I'd like to shake the hands of this guy who sees omens. But you know what? I mean, life is all about data, experiences, learning. You know, I mean, so intuition just doesn't filter into any of that. And I said, well, John, and now this is where we start getting to the four types of intuition. What the first of the four is called experiential intuition. So if you think about, and let's take a look at your brain like an iceberg, 90% is your subconscious, which is below water, and 10% is your conscious, which is above water. So when you're born, you have all these neurons firing off, 
you're soaking in all these experiences around you. You go to school, college, trade school, whatever it is, you open up businesses, you become an entrepreneur, you hire people, uh, you go through hurdles, failures, ups and downs, you meet people, you toss them out, you bring them in. All those experiences over the years, each and every single day, get put into the subconscious area like a library. And the minute that you're about to make a decision, your intuition goes into this library and pulls all those pieces of information that are relevant to that decision. So the time that your intuition actually signals to you that it's the right decision to make or walk away from a decision because it's the wrong one, it's already told you that you've got the raw skills to either make that decision or you've had something bad happen in the past or someone else, you better back away. That's called experiential intuition. And in some cases, your intuition, your experiential intuition has you go against the data. And so John looks back, sits back in his chair and he goes, well, that's kind of strange because I had that happen to me. And I said, well, do tell. And so John was in the business of putting it up franchise operations. And so when you look at a franchise location, like a Wendy's or McDonald's or any of these franchises, typically it's on a benchmarking system. And a nine out of 10 means that you put a franchise there. And they look at things like demographics, traffic patterns, development of the area for, as examples. And there was this dilapidated, crappy area of Toronto where they wanted to put this really upscale beer, beer market type of thing. It was called the beer market, where they, where they talk to you about beer pairings and things like that. And the area that they were looking at, this is like one of the places where you just go to find something that has an alcohol percentage and drink. And so on their benchmarking system, it was a five and a half out of 10. Him and his, his, his partner walked to this area and they look around. And this is the second of the four called situational intuition. They look around saying, you know what? I really think we should put this franchise location here. And he's starting, now John's starting to use the words, I'm not sure if it's intuition or not, but I think we should put a franchise operation. And they did. And that franchise operation called the beer market was the best in terms of profit and loss under all of the portfolios that they ever had. So now John's kind of getting it. And he's starting to use a bit of the word intuition. We talk a bit more about how he hires and the teamwork and partners. And then he tells me that his purpose changed at one point. And so he, was, he wanted to go from, instead of being an investment banker, where he's just looking at spreadsheets and advising business, he actually wanted to run one. He wanted to be a coach, as he says. And his purpose changed. And so now this is the four, third of the four called relational intuition. What relational intuition does is it only brings in the people to into your closest inner circle or who you're going to listen to that really care about what you want and where you're headed. And it tosses around everyone else. These aren't yes people. These are people that are going to be with you through thick and thin that you know you can trust them for the right constructive criticism and the right advice. And so everybody who was stuck in that same old investment banking world that was consumed with money, fame, ego, high-end restaurants, limousines, private jets, security. All of them said, you're nuts. But not one of them bothered to ask him, well, what do you want to do? And why do you want to do it? Not one, except for his wife. And so he tossed everyone's opinion aside. And he looks at his wife straight in her eyes. And now I'm quoting him from a non-believer. This just feels right. And you would think that his intuition picks 
a nice business with a healthy cash flow, good, good starting revenues or a revenue generation rate, which is great, and a healthy balance sheet. Not his intuition. His intuition picks a tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. So he quits his three to $4 million a year job, starts from basically ground zero, and walks into that bankrupt little restaurant. That restaurant ended up being Eastside Mario's location number one. And he grew that one location to over a thousand. Over 20 years, he grew that into a $2 billion behemoth through acquisitions and uh, other brand names he, uh, he opened up, all because it felt right. And now he fully understood in one hour what intuition was. And when we come circle back to the definition of intuition, this is his intuition, his experiences, his way of making decisions. Everything had to do with him. All I did was I flipped the light on to say, this is your intuition. And in an hour, he goes from non-believer to a full believer in understanding the power of intuition and how it played a huge role in not only just his personal life, but more importantly, his business life and in entrepreneurs. And for those listening who are basically in the, in the service-based businesses or the trades, I mean, how many times did you uh, know that this customer is going to be a problem customer? How many times did you know some, a job is going to go wrong? How many times have you worked through that and ended up confirming that? That's because your intuition was either telling you that you shouldn't do that or the or you know it was one of those I told you so's. And 100% everybody's had that, that experience, including myself. But that's essentially the power of intuition. That's how it works. Um, and that's, that's how we need to use it, is just to make sure that we get those, those positive and negative signals. Uh, and what, what happens is the reason why we kind of ignore them uh, and is a big thing is when we don't really kind of trust ourselves, we kind of doubt, doubt ourselves. We don't have a strong set of either values in our personal life or core values in our company, or we don't realize what our purpose is. When you run a business, why did you run a business in the first place? And people gravitate around that purpose. They really sink, sink into this, this, like, you know, if you get to see some tradespeople, for example, I can tell those who absolutely love their jobs versus those that who really don't. I can feel that off of them. Uh, in some cases, I'll know whether this is going to be a good contractor or a bad contractor. Um, and 100%, 100% of the time, that's how it turns out. So when you have that, that purpose that you're driven by, that you really know what you're really trying to do in your personal life or your professional life, that's, that's when you start attracting the right customers. That's when you get the right employees. That's when you surround yourself with the right people around you because they understand what your mission is. You exude that. You talk that. Your marketing materials, all that. They feel it. And when they feel that, that's why they want to do business with you. Otherwise, if you don't have a strong set of values or mission, then you're just sort of meandering about in life and when you do that, there's one of four intuitive hurdles that pummel your signals. And I'll go through each one of these four one by one. The first is being way too emotional. So sometimes you get a client and they throw, just like I have with that, that contract, they throw nice big numbers, even though there's something, something's wrong, but I'm so emotionally involved uh, that I forgot my intuitive signals. And of course, I lost a lot of money. Relationships are kind of like that. The other side to, to be, being too rational is being too emotional. And so, sorry, being too rational, pardon me. Being too emotional was one. Being too rational was the second. So me following the cultural norms, me following the societal norms, uh, being too rational, even though I was meant to be the entrepreneur, I followed that and didn't really like the career path that I went into. The third is called ego. 
And there's two sides to ego. One is going to be your, uh, basically your narcissistic self, um, where you're talking too much, you don't have the experience, your intuition is saying, listen, you know, you're just trying to hear yourself. The other side of ego is what I call following the herd. So this is where you latch onto a group of people or a person, and you know that their values are different than yours. So perhaps they're wearing the right brand names. Perhaps they know someone famous. Perhaps they're driving that nice car. Uh, perhaps they're going to all the chic places. Whatever the case is, you know that that person does not add value to your life. I'm not saying you need to kick them out. But what happens is you spend time with them when you shouldn't be, when you can make that time somewhere else. And the last is called fear. Fear is one of the biggest ones. And fear is, is fear of change, fear of failure, fear of the unknown. And what you have to realize is that when intuition is sending you a signal and you, you fear moving in a, in a direction because maybe it's a new client, maybe it's a new business, maybe it's a new vendor, maybe it's a, you know, a, new, a new environment that you're going to place to live, whatever the case is, if, you, if you've got a good stock of your positive and negative signals, if intuition is already sending you a positive signal and you feel fearful, you, you, you kind of fear that, don't forget that your intuition's already gone into that subconscious area and said, you already have the raw skills. You already have the ability to make that decision. You've, you've proven that in the back with your experience and the data and your learning. I'm telling you, you can do it. I'm not sure why you're being fearful. Remember the amygdala, the primitive part of your brain, all it knows is think, run, do, trust. That's it. So it's, it's binary. It's either it is going to work or it's, or it's not. Either you got to step forward or run away. And because of that fear, it holds you back. And the best, one of the best stories I tell when, when it comes to this fear is a fellow by the name of David Dame. David's had cerebral palsy and he's always been in his wheelchair. And one of the biggest, biggest dreams that he had was simply just to get someone to hoist him out of his wheelchair, to step on the sand on a beach and feel the sand in the water in his toes. And he got this chance to do it uh, recently. And he had his friends wheel him up um, close to the water and the uh, sand edge there. And he stands up and he falls flat on the face, on his face. And he says, Sunil, I have one of two things I can do right now. I can succumb to the embarrassment. I can succumb to the fear and sit back in my wheelchair and forever regret that I've never been able to turn that dream into reality, even though I had that chance. Or I can battle my fears, stand up, and take the first step into the water, and then take another step into the water, and take another step into the water. And that's what he did. And he points and he points to his chin, and he says, the water gets up to about here, Sunil. And then I turned around, and I hadn't realized how far I had come. And that's how you use your intuition to move your life forward. You trust your signals. You take every step every single day. You don't worry about the big house. You don't worry about making millions of dollars. You don't worry about super being happy later. You live in the moment. You make today happy. You, you take care of the inputs and the outputs take care of themselves. And when you make that mistake of not listening to your intuition and making a bad decision, this is where I talk about wasting uh, time and money and energy. When you make that mistake, it's actually two times the cost. It's not just the cost of you making the bad decision. It's also the cost of you not making the right decision. And sometimes that's more than two times. And a lot of people don't realize that. And so 
if when I am here to help educate you on, well, I'm not educating, I'm, I'm, I'm shining a light on what something is that you already have. You already have this subconscious phenomenon. You're born with it. You have these signals. You have these four types. It's guiding you to make the right decisions. You failed in the past. You've had hurdles. Fantastic. It's taken that in. It's giving you a guiding light. I'm telling you that I've just switched the light on. And that's what intuitionology.com is. It's just that lighthouse to say, here's your intuition. Trust it so that you can be successful in every area of your life. It's that simple. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a powerful it's a powerful like you. Well, I don't know what I, I maybe I didn't even get the full definition, but being an intuition itself is incredibly powerful. Yeah, as you just said, we've all and I know it. I know it from my own. I have not trusted my gut, and it and that was a mistake every time. Just like you said, yeah. I've got thirty years in business and dealing with every kind of customer you can imagine, and it's always been right. You know, it's interesting how you say that. I find that I was always, you're always kicking yourself, right? Everyone, and I know all the people listening, yeah. like you said, all the contractors, we've all had those customers. We know yes. I should not be signing this deal, yep. right? And a lot of us are in a position where I don't have a choice. I need the money. <laughs> so we're like, I'm going to sign the deal, but this is going to go bad. Yeah. You know, so what What I did learn early on, uh, Sunil, is that I had to, I had to build a buffer in there for my lack of adhering to my gut, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I understood, or I had the, I had the annoyance fee, as I call it, an aggravation fee. I, I knew my gut was telling me this guy's going to be a problem. Yeah. I can still pull off the job, but he's going to pay for it. He's going to pay for his annoyance. So right. I bump up the price because most other people wouldn't even take the job. So I'd always get compensated that way. And I still use the gut knowing you know what? I know what I know what I'm gonna be running into, and I'm gonna deal with this guy. I know how to deal with them, but it's gonna be a headache, but I'm gonna make you know 15% more. Right. So that's gonna pay for it. So that's how I, I tended to use it myself. And it's so fascinating to hear you, you know, as you describe the different people who have used this, um, just like even you know, it feels right. You know, there, there's there's obviously a ton of validity to that. Now, some people I let me know this your experience, but some people got some messed up feelings. Okay, so so they yeah. take things feel right, and it becomes a really bad mistake. But I don't know if that can actually be tied to their the, the real intuition or just I don't know, just kind of a bizarre belief system or something. I don't know, but I think I've seen that that what they may have thought was intuition be just some misplaced you know, feelings or something. I don't know. Do you, yeah, do you ever and, come across that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and so now I've interviewed over a thousand people now and, and, and many of them are my podcast series. So this has come up with a, a number of them. And so when we think, and, and I think this, well, I, know, I know this is just because this is, I think the first time anybody's really taken this level of depth to really understanding what intuition is. And, and again, many times people talk about this gut feeling or, you know, this voice or what have you, or they're looking at something that happened and they attribute it to intuition without really somebody, I mean, not, nobody's going to really ask them, well, do you really know if it's intuition? I mean, unless, you know, I'm sitting there beside you and then, you know, I hope I can overhear your conversation. That would be weird. Uh, but um, I, I, I often have this come. And when I listen intently to their stories, what I, what I always hear is that it's one of these four intuitive hurdles that actually have come in and squashed their signals. I'll give you a very good example. Mark Metry, he's got the Humans 2.0 podcast series. It's the top 100 on uh, Apple iTunes. And he came on as a guest to talk about intuition. And one of the things that he developed and his, what he talks about is social anxiety. 
And so when he was in his, in his, uh, in high school, he developed social anxiety and he basically almost killed himself in high school because he felt he had to lie enough, uh, which took him away from who he really was. And he almost took his life. Um, but when he was recounting that story, he actually starts telling me about how intuition led him the wrong way. And, you know, he just felt that he needed to lie again and again and again. And then obviously, you know, his identity was gone enough that he didn't feel worth any value at all. Um, and so I just said, well, hold on, uh, Mark. If we were to rewind the podcast interview, uh, which I've done with my marketing team a couple of times, the, when he was recounting that story, right after he says that, you know, uh, intuition leads you down the wrong path and describes, starts the situation. And then he starts with saying, I knew I shouldn't have lied, but, and it was very subtle. And then he went into the lying. And I said, uh, when you actually said you shouldn't have lied, but that was his intuition telling him he shouldn't have. So even when he's recounting that story, his intuition pokes its head and saying, no, 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 I was there. You just decided not to ignore me. Uh, you decide to ignore me. And again, that was that ego, the hurdle of ego, uh, where you, you want to so much be part of a clique or the popular crowd or whatever it is that he needed to lie to fit in and lie again and lie again. And pretty soon it, he was lost and his signals were gone. His ego squished them so low, even though they're trying to scream out. Uh, and luckily he didn't uh, take his own life um, and he lived to tell with it. So, and that's happened a number of times uh, where I look back at their story and then I actually correct them. And I say, well, no, no, no. It's one of these four hurdles here. That's actually worked. And, a lot of times, you know, one of the things that we have a tendency to do, which we shouldn't, is when we're living in the present moment, sometimes we go back and we want to spite to do something to spite someone else or prove someone else wrong uh, or do something from the past. And we live in the present moment proving something or proving what somebody else said or proving someone wrong. And, and what we do is then we shift our values and our, to someone else and we give them the power when it doesn't really matter. You know, we should be living based on what our values are. We should be strengthening that. We should be figuring out what our purpose is and doing that. And, and then that's how we gain business. And when people sense that, because remember, intuition, intuition is a feeling. And so when companies who do a terrible job with this, uh, their core values, and I have a, a friend of mine who's actually changing the core values to those that are feeling-based. And he's talking to nine-figure companies, and he's taking these things, taking management teams to scrap their values and to go to core values that are feeling-based so that the employees feel like they're psychologically safe. They feel like producing for you. The customers know what your purpose is. They know what your messaging is. Even if it's in the service-based industry, listen, people can, I can tell a great real estate agent from a crappy one. And listen, there's tons of crappy ones. Um, and I was telling you earlier, I can, a, a great, you know, and the ones that, that I love as, as those that keep, I keep around me as service people, as plumbers, as those who cut my yard, who clean my house or whatever it is in whatever capacity that you have, the people that I surround myself with in whatever service that I have or value or product that I spend my money on, it's always aligned with people who I know who they are, what they are. They're really nice. Even for me, if it costs a little bit more, it saves me the aggravation of dealing with someone that it costs a little bit less, but there's more headache or they're just not aligned or they're just doing it just because. And then I don't feel valued. And if I don't feel valued as a customer, I'm not going to give them that, that uh, my money. And when you lose me as a customer, it's actually, a, we'll get back to two times the cost. 
it's not just the cost of bringing me back uh, as an, a customer. And research shows that it's six times less to have a customer that with recurring revenues than an existing customer. But it's also the cost of taking me out of someone else I'm paying for that service. And so you've now, again, got twice the cost for something that you might have had me have uh, as a customer. And so, again, this is all feeling-based. And because we don't necessarily touch it, feel it, uh, it's not tangible, but it's something innate, right? And we've all done that. Why do we buy products and services? It fills a need. Even something as basic as something like ketchup. Uh, you know, I was a Heinz. Uh, I love Heinz at some point. They did something to a factory in in, Toronto, in close to uh, in Ontario here. Uh, they fired a bunch of people and uh, treated uh, everyone really crappily. I switched to French's. Uh, it was a Canadian company. We're just talking about, uh, you know, mustard or ketchup. Uh, and for, so for me, Heinz can even spend two to $3 million putting their shelf space at eye level and stuff like that. But just the fact that they've done something that goes against my values, I'm switching my brand. Now, there are other people that don't care. This is for me, right? Uh, and so that's the way that these values work. And now, that certainly, I'm not in it. If I buy, you know, gum, I mean, gum, I associate with a brand that gives me pleasure. Maybe I grew up with it. Maybe my kids love that brand. Again, there's that subtle thing there that brings it back to the feeling or the value system that we, we don't really realize when we buy products and services. Um, and we don't really realize when we're offering products and services that that little, that little step that little thing that we called intuition is huge in bringing recurring revenues or repeat customers or increasing customers or increasing contract value, whatever it is, it is hugely important. And it's just not looked at yet. My, my, my friend is doing this to billion dollar companies right now. And he himself went from 30 to 300 employees from basically hundred thousand to a billion dollar company with zero growing pains, zero because he made sure everybody felt like where he wanted to, that, that this was a great place to work, right? So he himself has done it a couple of times. I've done it with the team that I've assembled. I don't bring on anyone else if they don't believe in the mission. Uh, I'm not a statistic. I'm actually here to change lives and they need to be on board with that. Uh, and they need to have the creative opportunity to do that. I don't watch over their shoulder. I let them have whatever creative license as long as they move my mission forward. And so that's very important for me. And I have a team of four now uh, that all help in doing exactly that. And we have our talks around uh, intuition. Uh, what do we feel? Uh, what about this? And what about, so that's how we approach, you know, digital marketing plays. That's how we approach some of the uh, messaging we want to have, uh, you know, what problem are we solving for that, that particular person? And so the content goes around genuinely solving that problem using intuition as a base, um, you know, without being too touchy feely and things like that. But uh, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah, I think that's that's real, really powerful because we talk a lot, especially on my podcast and different guests and people I've had on. It's company culture, right? We talk about yes. it's kind of a buzzword now, and yeah. it's a very and it's it's important. Buzzwords are buzzwords, but you know the the underlying philosophy of it is very important because that's what makes great companies. Yes. That's how you attract great talent, right? Yes. So you're giving us another tool that we can use to create that culture because it's difficult because it's easy to say you need to create a great culture. Well, that's pretty that's a pretty broad net. Okay? Yes, so people, absolutely. a lot of people are literally going, well, how do I do that? I want to have a culture, but they don't understand where to go. You know what I mean? Or maybe yeah. they have the idea, like you're saying, they may have the intuition, but they can't define it. Right. Exactly. So I think it's, it, yeah, it's a pretty awesome tool to be able to use that. One other thing I was thinking about on this, I think a lot of people in the beginning, I started thinking this, well, 
intuition is based, and it is your first, one of your first points is the experiential, right? Yes. So you actually, you, oh, it's all based on experience. You're just doing this because you had a close call once, or you actually went in an alley and someone beat you up. So now every alley is, you know, your intuition, you know, the, the spidey sense is gone, right? Yeah. So, but it's really not though. I mean, obviously it's a part of it, right? It's number one, because that's something that we can, that's probably the most tangible aspect of intuition we can react to right because we've actually been there felt it you know it's happened to us or whatever yeah. the case but like you said situational then you get into the feeling aspect you know having these is really interesting to understand the depth of this you know that it's not just one thing just like when you're talking about the hurdles the yeah. same thing you got the emotional you got the rational you got the ego you got the fear you know when we take all those things together and go oh and you start to think why you ignored Yes. You know, like, like you said, when you started, let, let's, let's reverse engineer this thing, you know, and say, okay, well, why did you say no to the, to your gut? Well, it's going to be one of those four. And I've, I think I've experienced all those in yeah. my, yes, in my yes. you know, in my, in my, you know, pushing, pushing push the intuition to the side and making the bad decision. So I love that you're able to put this stuff. This is very, very usable. It absolutely uh, is usable for sure. I, you know what I mean? I mean, it's understandable. What I'm trying to say is, it's, 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 it's kind of, very, it's pretty black and white. You know, the way you've broken it down, the detail you've gone into. Like I said, when we, when we first before we got on, I'm talking. Let's not uh, spread fairy dust and stuff like that. Yes. You know, let's get into, let's get in the meat of this thing. So, you know, I, I have yep. not been disappointed. So it's, it's a really a good thing. But it's, I think it's important that people understand that they're. To understand exactly what you're talking about here, you know, that there's, there's obviously there's consequences to every action, yeah. but when you understand why you're reacting or not reacting to this intuition, yep. okay, that's, that's a personal development tool, right? These yes, are personal yeah. development tools. I mean, these really exactly. can make you an exceptional leader. Exactly. You know, and and, and a lot of times, uh, and, uh, and when just alluding to some of the things that you talked about, like going in the back alley and getting beat up and all those things, those are the ones that we actually remember. So if when I started my podcast interviews, I've changed the, the it's slightly, slightly now, but my first few interviews were all about when did intuition impact your life? And 100% of the time, it was always about a bad experience. Uh, I've, I've had people that lost millions of dollars because they took a franchise location they shouldn't. Um, I've had people who've gone bankrupt. I even had someone, you know, her first words out of her mouth, like she just didn't want to do the interview. She didn't know what she was talking about. She was nervous. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, and I, I was, I wasn't, know, I didn't know what to expect. And the first thing says, I, uh, you know, intuition, I ignored my intuition. I was sexually assaulted. Um, that was the first words. And then the next 45 minutes, what she did is as she's telling me all the signs that happened right from the start that said she shouldn't have, shouldn't have said yes to somebody. And sign after sign after sign after sign after sign got her to the situation again and again and again to that end point. And so, yes, we can look at getting, uh, you know, had a bad client, um, shouldn't have gotten into this, shouldn't have signed that contract, gotten beaten up. But we have to take a look, at, go back, 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 back. And when it comes to uh, one of the things that people don't realize is, especially in a company, uh, is uh, especially for the entrepreneurs, intuition is a two-way street. So as much as you say, or if you work with someone that says, yes, I'm trying to be, you know, they can throw buzzwords like authentic and empathetic, blah, blah, blah. Um, but if, unless they're actually really, you know, the, the, walking the talk or talking the talk, uh, you know, my intuition is going to pick up on that. And if I see a disconnect between who you are, what you're saying, and how you actually are when your back is turned, or you've got one marketing message and you do something different, 
that disconnect is going to trigger my intuition to say there's something wrong here. And so that's when I may, may pull back. And again, one of these things are these buzzwords. Uh, you know, one of my colleagues that I, that I had, he was in sort of the mindset space and, um, uh, and I was in the intuition space. I don't want to get too, uh, too far on that, down that road, but our, our, um, uh, it was natural for us to collide in a very good way and talk uh, with some common stuff. And he used to say, yeah, I talked to my, I, I ignore, uh, you know, I trust my intuition. Uh, you know, I, I think positively, et cetera, et cetera. And then he saw me speak and he didn't realize that like, wow, there's signals and there's four types. I just had no clue. And then uh, after we had, uh, I had finished my speech about it, you know, a few months after that um, he develops a cough and he gets this signal uh, as a subtle signal saying, go to the hospital. And this is somebody who's now, you know, he talks about a lot of this thing about mindset, be positive, and he sure wasn't living it, right, uh, to the full, fullest of its sense, uh, essence. And I think this is where social media really comes in, where a lot of people put all these great themes and memes and sayings out there, but they don't live their lives like that. Uh, and it's great if it's inspirational to some degree, but uh, I think there's, there's a lot of it that's just put up, you know, just because, and they don't really run their lives like that. And he was kind of like that. And his cough developed a little bit more and he ended up in the hospital because he had COVID-19 and he got to a situation where he was actually fighting for every single breath. And there was a life or death moment and he basically wanted to die. And his signal, his intuitive signal was so clear to him. It was this, this, this essence, this voice just saying, you're not done. Uh, you need your, your voice is still needed. You still have lots of work to do. And he was doing some amazing things with the students in the New York system about bringing, um, you know, more of the softer skills to that system. He's affected, you know, tens of thousands of kids. Um, and this, 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 this intuitive pull was saying, you got to live. Uh, and it got him to obviously say, yes, he, uh, got out of the hospital five days later. Uh, he came to me and told me, a lot about it. He, he was actually my first, very first podcast guest for my Intuitionology podcast series. What a way to start a podcast series. And in that, in that interview, he actually reveals that he wasn't talking all that stuff. Like he was talking, he sure wasn't acting it. He said, yeah, I, I'm going to do this, but yeah, I wasn't really. And so we've got to, you know, if we're going to actually live our lives, you know, on this thing called intuition, we actually have to do it just like David Dame, we actually have to walk those steps and not just talk about it and do it nonchalantly because remember the opportunity cost is really twice. And so if you're going to say it, you better do it. Otherwise my intuition is going to pick that up and maybe I won't be that, that client. And how do you know I'm not a $50,000 client uh, or a $2,000 client or a $50 client, but maybe I have five other friends that I can tell you. And I can tell you for sure that I've got six friends around me that if we have one person coming in, that person is actually going to get six families uh, because that's what happens. It's been happening for the past 10 years with this group of people we have. And so people have gotten quite busy just from one of us of the six finding someone that we trust. And we keep that person busy because there's lots of opportunities that we have uh, in the, the servicing the home space. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, you know, I, I use it with my kids. I tell people I have six kids and I say, look, just like you're saying, more is caught than taught. All right. I can, I can throw out pearls of wisdom and all this stuff, but if yep. my kids see me doing, they're doing what they see me do. Yes. You know, so I can, I can teach by just doing, and it's, it's important that, like you said, you have to be congruent, right? Those, those values have to match up and intuition, 
you know, identifying that is really, that's really a strong, that's one of the great tools of intuition, because if that inconsistency is there, especially if you're about to head and say a, a business partnership with someone like this, yeah, right. And you're starting to meet him and all of a sudden you get, you get him and his wife over for dinner and all of a sudden the way he's treating his wife or the relation, you can see the relationship in between there. Okay. These are real signals about maybe you better slow down and maybe you don't want to do this partnership, you know, yeah. or, on the other side, it could be amazing. You're like, okay, this is a done deal. You know, this is the guy I want to build because he's again walking the talk. So it's really important. So I think that's a really good um, observation, and it's a again tools. I think, I think what I've taken from all this today is this is an incredible built-in tool that can really it can not only change it can probably change the trajectory of where you're going with things. Um, you know, I probably maybe the, the highest level, but I also think from a day-to-day operational, you know, standard, this can really help you again, dial everything in, in your business, in your personal life. If you start to listen, if you start to recognize, you know, these different levels, right. The tools yep. that the, again, the four levels that are keeping you from, from going with the gut, but I think it can really help transform a lot that you're doing in your business. I think it can speed the process up. Yes. Because you because you, you can hem and haul a lot too. Because not not making a making no decision can be worse than making a bad decision sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, and it's okay to take the time to think it through. Uh, you know, uh, something like something there are some major decisions. So the one thing I want to caution people is when you get better at them. Uh, you can make quicker decisions, but if you need to spend the time to logically work through, then intuition's already made the decision. And so your neurons sometimes have to go to the front of your brain, which is a logical, rational part and say, yes. Uh, remember that seven to 10 second delay. And that's okay to do that for very important decisions or really think about, can I really connect the dots? Or if I need to work this out, is one positive signal after another positive signal really confirming where I think this business should head or where I should change my strategy? Take that time. It's even though intuition acts in a split second, you take as whatever time you need to say yes to that opportunity. Uh, there's there's nothing wrong with that, and so all you need to do is just put yourself in that situation where you do spend that time. So maybe it's 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 doing exercise, maybe it's driving or thinking in the shower or whatever it is. Just make sure you just trust that signal. Yeah, that's that's excellent. That's a that's kind of a nice way to end this. You know, no, knowing that it's okay to take time. It doesn't mean absolutely you, either, you don't need to make snap decisions. Absolutely. You know, we we yeah. want to make right decisions. Okay. And there yes. isn't there isn't necessarily a time limit to making the right decision. That's a, that's a good good distinction to make there. Uh Sunil, this is great. So here's the thing. So what I always do at the end of every podcast, this has been just massively informative. So I think people are Thank gonna you. have to listen to this twice. Okay, <laughs> because absolutely. I don't know if they could take it all in or man, sharpen, have two pencils sitting there. Okay, that's what I do. Just there you in go. Case. You know, and, and, and one one big eraser, okay, because I make a lot of mistakes. But, you know, I, I want to give them a chance to follow you, get, yep. get in contact with you so they can learn more about this because, man, you blew through so much stuff on here. This is the, like you said in the beginning, it's the tip of an iceberg. Right. We're yes. not we're not even we're not even through the 10 percent, let alone the 90 yes. percent that's under the water here. So I want them to be able to access you, get more information yep. on this and really make this a tool that they can use in their daily lives. So how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm also I'm on all the uh, the major social accounts, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, uh, and also Instagram. I'm going to try TikTok in about a week or so. Please don't watch me dancing because that's the intuition saying don't look. Um, and then the other thing I have is I've got a seven day challenge. This is free, by the way. So I, there's a if you go to intuitionology.com, you can always see that my podcast is slash podcast. You want to be a subscriber, listen in. 
But on my intuition knowledge dot com, there's a seven day challenge. It's completely free, uh, and what you do is is I get you to identify a problem that you have. Uh, and what that means to you. And I help you take the components of your intuition and come to a solution. Uh, and I and, and involves things like positive signals, negative in- signals, your intuitive medium, or where you go think about it, the people you surround yourself with, the environment. And what happens is you end up at the end of that seven days, you end up solving that problem with a plan and an action plan in place. And I actually measure your intuition at the start and at the end using a percentage basis. I've had 54,000 people through that. And 100% of the time, every single person's intuition has strengthened. And I also have two case studies of people going through that. One is a fellow who sold his house actually using the seven day challenge, going from minus 20,000 from a realtor who shoved a a card in his face and tried to convince him that that's all he could get. And his intuition is saying there's something wrong with her to to having a bidding war at the end of seven days at $50,000 over. That's a $70,000 decision in seven days. That's 10 grand a day. That's great. Um, And the other case study is from someone who was actually a witness to a homicide. Um, She walked into her apartment where her boyfriend had just murdered one of their best friends and locked the door behind her uh, and put a knife to her back and said, she's next. Uh, And so she basically calmed him down, watched watched his relational intuition to make sure she didn't trip him. She was choked, assaulted, asked to clean up the blood and, um, her intuition gave her that one moment to escape. She ran 18 flights upstairs down, called 911, but suffered from a lot of PTSD, anxiety, and trauma and depression. And she used the seven days to really, okay, how do I deal with this? And so it, my seven days didn't eliminate it, but it minimized it to where she found out that she can actually go to the gym to feel free. And she learned how to trust people in seven days. And so if somebody like John Harris and Ashley Michelle can go through this with those kind of problems that get solved, you can solve whatever problem that you have using those seven day challenge and it's completely free. And you also have a template then it's a free PDF that is fillable online, or you can print it out. And you could, if you have not, if you want anything else to do with me, you have a free PDF. You've got my free ebook also in the seven day challenge. You've got something for every single problem you have in any situation. Oh, that is awesome. I'm going to put all that in the show notes. We'll have those links and everything else. You'll be able to go into the show notes and get those. Uh, and it's just, there's just so much, uh, Sunil, this is like, this has been awesome. I've, I've loved every minute. I've done a lot of listening, obviously. Um, you are a man who knows the subject and you've helped a ton of people, which I can really appreciate. Thank you. Uh, as that's what I try to do as well. And uh, it's such a cool tool. I knew, I knew having you on was going to be a massive bonus for my listeners, you know, and it really has been. So hopefully you guys take advantage of what um, Sunil's got for you and we can, and we can use our t- intuition to better ourselves, our business, and everything else as we move forward. So, Sunil, thank you again for taking the time out of your schedule, being with, with us here today on the ETOP podcast. Uh, we might have to get together again and go next level, okay? Because I got a feeling you got a few levels to go again. I don't think, yes. I, I don't think yep. we exhausted you today. So, I think we're just getting warmed up here. So, it's going to be great. So, we'll uh, we'll do part two again. This This will be fantastic. So, again, thanks for your time, my friend. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the ETOP Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you liked what you've heard, please leave a great review for us. Your subscription and review helps us reach more people so we can show them how to escape the owner prison. Also, check out the links in the show notes about today's guests and more ways to connect with ETOP on social media. Stay strong and keep moving forward with your business.